This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Uh, we have episode number 32 today. We're going to be talking about shamanism, plant medicine, and sleep paralysis with our uh, our new buddy, Lee Adams. How are you doing? Good, good. Nice uh, being on the show with you guys. Thanks oh, for yeah. inviting me. Huh? Um, so let's dive right into this. Let's start out with the whole... Well, actually, let's let's get a little bit of your background. So why don't you explain how you get got into all this? You know, what made you get into the whole plant medicine, psychedelic thing, and then also, you know, the, the different sleep stuff like sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, so my, my initial um, background is I was interested in psychology, um, but I had um, amazing dream experiences when I was a kid. You know, I'd tell my mom about those experiences and annoy her to death with all these crazy dreams that I would come up with every night but she was kind enough to listen to me. So I was really interested in dreams uh, and psychology and that kind of aspect of it. And um, so I was going to college at the time uh, for um, to learn about dreams. And um, through that, I got a hold of Dr. Strassman's book on DMT, uh, the spirit molecule. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in that because um, Strassman as well as uh, Calloway, um, and he, he followed up some research with Callaway's stuff. But um, I was interested in that because um, he had some direct links to the pineal gland and DMT formation in the brain, possibly causing um, dreaming. So I was like, what is this DMT thing and what is the experience? Um, because at the time I was having out-of-body experiences and lucid dreaming, lucid dreams, things like that. And I really wanted to find the connection between um, this psychedelic and, uh, dreams. And so I, I decided that maybe I sh- should try DMT in order to see the connection if there was any. Um, and I was, uh, pretty blown away by, um, some of the similarities, but at the same time, they're vastly different. Um, so was your first, ex- did you ingest it through ayahuasca or did you smoke it or what was the first time? Yeah, I, I um, ingested it through ayahuasca. So, um, Pretty much, I, I didn't do a traditional ceremony at the time or anything like that. I just uh, created, figured out how to make it myself, and then um, did it myself. So I was pretty, um, I'd say, not educated very well on uh, the tr- traditional use of ayahuasca or anything like that. So it was kind of like a disrespectful thing, I'd say, to the plant. But um, it, I definitely learned a lot from the experience, and that kind of opened the doors to um, more. Uh, exploring psychedelics along with dreaming and trying to figure that out for myself versus like, um, you know, be super scientific about it. Um, it definitely opens up a lot. I mean, anybody that's done any mushrooms or anything like that can say it, it's life transforming. And 
Um, well, you must have been pretty serious because uh, I heard about people taking the ayahuasca and just like all this experience. They shit themselves. They throw up on yeah. themselves. I, mean, I don't know how, how true that is. Maybe you can clarify, but uh sounds yeah. very, very intense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the situation was that um, my buddy actually flew up to visit me and we were going to do it together because he's very knowledgeable about... Um, plant medicine and making things and stuff like that. Um, so I didn't really know how to do anything and I got super sick as well. And you're supposed to fast. So I was like fasting. Yeah. I had a cold, I got super sick. And then the next day we we're going to do this thing. So I was just like dragging it, you know, I was, I was beat up already. And then you, you take, um, this drink and it's like the worst tasting substance <laughs> you could possibly imagine. It tastes like, well, it's, it's like, it's like tree bark and roots yeah. and shit. I mean, it's not, <laughs> tastes yeah. like it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it tastes like, um, you ever see like wizard of Oz and the wicked witch of the West. She like tries to like poison Dorothy yeah. with like some yeah. green or purple looking stuff. <laughs> That's like how it reminds me. It's, it's just so horrible tasting. It, it it's, it's uncomparable to anything that else is bitter in your life. So I drank this thing, you know, I'm laying there, I'm having a, um, don't know if it's working, you know, that's generally how hallucinogens come on. You're like, Oh, I'm, maybe it's broken. Maybe something's not right. You know, I'm not seeing crazy stuff yet. And then, uh, after a while, um, we had some like uh, drumming going as well in the background. And after a while I had like this experience where, um, I was running through my life, like as a child, all the way up to the age I was and like, um, learning about, um, just life lessons that, you know, traumatic experiences that happened to me with my family and stuff like that. And, um, just kind of slowly going through it and just observing it kind of. And then, um, it was kind of, it was very healing. Um, and then, um, you purge. And so like ayahuasca is known as the purge in uh, South America. And so, um, you throw up and you're not only purging, like, um, you know, the, the substance of the plant, you're like getting everything out emotionally as well. So when people purge or throw up, they, they generally have the most intense hallucinations at that point. So, um, they're very intense and, um, but I didn't like, uh, shit myself though. I haven't, <laughs> haven't had that experience yet. We believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. So. Now, when you, you know, you, you talk about the, the process and how it's, you know, it's, it's cleansing, but it's also harsh. Um, did, was there something that pushed you into, I know you said you, you were fascinated with dreams, but did you have any sort of anxiety or depression or was there any sort of thing that this is like, you know, this pushed you in the direction in terms of like some sort of medicinal help for yourself? Definitely. Um, I mean, with dreams too, uh, I think they're in psychedelics. I think they're, um, they can help people with depression and stuff. Um, generally people that are kind of geared towards depression, I think have sleep, poor sleep habits. Um, and so they often dream a lot as well. Um, so me being a very intense dreamer, I, I think that was a correlation to, um, being depressed when I was a kid as well. Um, I didn't take ayahuasca to be healed or anything like that. Like I had no intention. I didn't know anything about the healing properties of this plant or anything. Just wanted to see the connection between dreams and psychedelics. And, um, but in result, um, through maybe 15, about 15 times of ayahuasca and going through this experience 
over and over again, um, I realized um, some truths in my life of um, that I could rely on and, and got away from being depressed. So um, my perspective of depression has greatly changed from there. I don't think it's a, for me at least, it wasn't something that was like chronic that was going to happen for the rest of my life. Um, it was kind of like a, a mixed message in my brain that I really couldn't grasp. And ayahuasca allowed me to, and as well as other um, experiences, including dreams, um, after this experience, I was able to kind of um, uh, communicate to the parts of my brain where I couldn't really understand um, some things, and my depression ultimately went away. So I do get down. You know, everyone has down days, up days, whatever. But um, it kind of mellowed me out made me look a little bit more grounded. So that way, um, depression wasn't a really big factor in my life anymore, luckily. So it helped me out a lot. Um, I did want to talk about sleep paralysis though. I know that was like one thing that you, you were. Yeah. So initially we started talking, we were actually talking on Reddit. Um, somebody posted a picture of, uh, here, I'll pull it up. Uh, Amanita muscaria, which is the fly Gehrig, which is the prototypical mushroom you see in like, you know, uh, fairy tales and, and nursery rhymes. And, you know, when they're showing, anytime they show a mushroom, usually uh, in, in that regard, it's it's an Amanita mascara. Um, I'm going to pull this up here. So this is what we were talking about. And, and the initial conversation was somebody posted, what is this mushroom and, and what does it do? And I posted on there, you know, exactly what we, we just said. It's a, it, it is hallucinogenic and if you process it in certain ways, I guess. So I've never done it, um, but from watching stuff like Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia and there's that little BBC short documentary I think I sent you um, where in Siberia the shamans uh, eat them and then they, they urinate and then the reindeer come and lick the urine because they want to get all jacked up and that's what that does to them. Jesus. Same thing with the reindeer. There's a guy, I forget his name, but he had an art installation in Europe where they would have the reindeer eat the fly Gehrig and then they would collect the reindeer urine and then drink that and have a psychedelic experience. Now, it's not your prototypical psychedelic experience, I guess. It's more along the lines of a hypnotic like a hallucinogenic hypnotic type of thing but okay. there's even speculation that um that was the inspiration for christmas because the reindeer flying the reindeer get all jacked up on this thing i mean if you look at it it's red and white just like we associate with santa claus and and all that so um who knows you know it, there could have just been a, you know and actually christmas is based off of a pagan uh holiday so i mean it's not that far stretch but um, but yeah, that was the initial conversation and you commented on it. Somebody had told you differently and we both kind of looked, I looked more that you actually, I thought I knew a lot about it. And then I it made me like relook at it, you know, just to make sure. And uh, sure enough, yeah, there, there are people that definitely get stuff off of that. And even in Har Hamilton's pharmacopoeia, they dry them out and then they smoke them and they say that they can feel stuff. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, the reason I said that is because, I had posted um, an article about um, somebody had talked about Christmas and the traditions um, in Siberia that, that go along with Christmas. So, like, um, ornaments on a tree is actually drying of mushrooms. So they used to hook the mushrooms up and then dry them on the trees, and then that's how they would store them. So, and, and they were, you know, they were the same type of mushroom that you were talking about. So 
Um, they were obviously psychedelic. Um, but a, a grad student had come on, uh, on my blog and commented and said that they were actually doing research on the, um, the shamans and, uh, and the Siberia, um, traditions. And they, they found out somehow that the, um, the reindeer actually don't eat the mushrooms or something. So There's that's that documentary what, that I know, but that documentary I sent you, it shows the reindeer actually from being, yeah, yeah. yeah. it shows the reindeer eating this thing out of the snow. In fact, they go out of their way to dig through the snow to get to it. Cause it, it, you guys don't want to believe that the shit they're eating these things or yeah they probably um well, you there's know, an I, agenda anytime you get yeah. science and, and academics look i love <laughs> i think school is a great thing but i also think that when people take it from a purely scientific approach and don't look at the cultural and the historical significance of it i think it gets lost like there's a lot of people that have never even done psychedelics so how would they even know to look down that avenue. And I don't know who that, you know, who the person that posted that or whatever, oh, yeah, what yeah. their background was, but definitely, yeah. you know, I just, I hear that all the time. Even like Bill, Bill Nye was on star talk, which is a podcast about, you know, uh, astronomy and all that. And, you know, he was talking about psychedelics and I was cringing. I'm like, this guy knows nothing. And not only that, he's not even a scientist himself. He's just a, uh, aeronautical engineer. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't really looked into it much, and it sounds like uh, just from basic Googling, I found like more recent articles talking about um, the truce that people actually were doing it. And um, they would actually like put buckets um, in front of a deer to force them to kind of eat it as well, just right. so they could get them to eat it more. And then like buckets to collect urine so they couldn't like, you know, they wouldn't have hard times doing that. So obviously, like these people are really into um, getting that done. So I mean, like <laughs> it's pretty pretty obvious to me that uh, the grad student was wrong. But um, if you're willing to drink piss, I think there's yeah, something yeah. to it. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of stuff in India as well for soma, um, where they talked about drinking urine. So they think that it was a it was a mushroom, some type that had to be processed through um, the cow's urine, and then they would collect it and drink it. But they don't really know about soma. But yeah, I mean, um, and and I heard, and to put on your point, like um, I recently heard something where they were talking about animals not looking for psychedelics, like it's uh, uh, only humans that do this. And I was like, that's, that's total BS. I've seen yeah, I mean, plenty of Cause they show the reindeers after high. they eat them. Yeah. They get these things, get all crazy. Yeah. They're like hooving up in the air and getting all crazy. So yeah, yeah I, I knew a dog like that like fucking bud brownies, man. Dog <laughs> that nice. Yeah. Whenever yeah, I bake them and come and look at me and want, want another one, dude. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, well, maybe animals it's a, are it's the type of thing where you have to extract it or it's like a tincture, you know, like maybe you have to liver process it or if you made a tincture of it or something like that, that it would, because I know that there's an active chemical in there called muscimol uh, yeah. that they've tried to turn into a, a sleep drug, but somebody had some weird psychedelic reaction to it. And once somebody has a psychedelic reaction to experimental drugs that they're trying for the market, I guess they have to abandon the whole thing or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Know. Yeah, it's a little bit harsher mushroom, that's for sure. I wouldn't recommend anybody eating that one. Um, so it can make you sick, and I think it's really hard on your liver. I think that's what the issues were. 
So if anybody is interested in eating it or whatever, they need to do their research before doing that for sure. Yeah, but we recommend people doing research before you do yeah, anything. Yeah. Just go, go to Irwids, you know, Irwids is, yeah. the, I think, the quintessential, or we'll talk about it later. We'll go on in a little bit, but your website, taileaters.com, there's a lot Thanks, of information man. on there too. Um, but let's let's get into the sleep paralysis thing now because this is what's been yeah. fascinating me lately because I think there's something very – I had my first experience last week, but I'll let you talk nice. for a little bit um, about your research into it and a little bit of the background and everything. Yeah, so um, pimp out my friend's website, um, dreamstudies.org. He's a, his name's Ryan Hurd. He's a great guy. Uh, he, he spent his pretty much entire life, uh, and he's much older than I am, researching about sleep paralysis and um, – so I actually contacted him when I was uh, mid twenties, uh, looking into sleep paralysis because I had my first experience uh, about 2006. Even though I had like lucid dreams and stuff before that, um, and I was also like very religious at the time, so that kind of contributed to um, my experience as well. But um, when I had sleep paralysis first time, it was very traumatic um, experience. Um, I worked nights. I was I used to be in the military, so I worked night shift and. Uh, I was laying down in my bed, and um, I thought my friend had jumped on my back because he was. Uh, I was laying face down in my bed, and I had roommates, and one of my roommates was uh, kind of a goofy guy that <laughs> liked to play pranks on people, you know. So, um, real turd. Yeah, man, that's what happens in the military. You get you get some <laughs> get some pranksters, you know. <laughs> so, um, friend jumps on my back, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, get off of me, you know, and. Um, he wouldn't move. And I was like, it got me really pissed off, you know? And so I was like, Hey man, get off me. Or I'm going to punch you, you know? And he put, I remember the pressure intensified on my back and pushed my head down on the pillow and I could uh, feel somebody breathing in my ear. And I was like, Hey, you know, like I was like, what <laughs> I'm not into this. going on. Yeah. I was scared the <laughs> shit out of me, man. And, and so then I, I went to swing cause I was like, you know, this is really obnoxious now. And it, there was nobody in my room. It was completely uh, empty. And I was like, I was so freaked out that I got up out of my bed and I knew it was impossible, but I was like, maybe, you know, maybe my friend like ran around the corner into my bathroom, you know? And so I went into the bathroom and there's nobody there. And I was like, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, See, I'm I, instantly thinking aliens or yeah. demons. <laughs> I've had those, man. Um, so, yeah, demon, that's the first thing that popped up in my head. You know, it's like, whoa, what the fuck? And Isn't that what the thing, the normal thing that people say when they, yeah, like there's a demon sit, sitting on their chest, or that's what that yeah. old picture you see with the demon sitting on, in on the bed on the guy's chest? Or Yeah, if, you, or, if you ever heard of old hag syndrome, that sleep paralysis, um, that was created from a mythology, I think, in Canada, and uh, where they could, um, they could kind of uh, put a spell on some people that they didn't like, and an old hag, the, the hag would come and hag you, which is like terrorize you at night, you know? And they believed it. And there's a great book. I think it's the the terrors that come in the night. 
And I read that and I was like, Oh, this is like, <laughs> it's not only me that this is happening to But, um, what I wanted to say is that, um, this thing kept coming back to me every, every night. And, uh, eventually, um, I went online and back then there was like only forums, you know, with like weird people and stuff. And they were like, Hey, it was some type of like, um, esoteric group where they're talking about the, the dweller and the threshold and the guarding of like this gate to the other dimension. I was like, Hey, I, you know, I don't care about that. I just care about getting this thing to stop attacking me because it was messing up my sleep and everything. I couldn't sleep in that room. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay. And they're like, Hey, you just got to face it. And I was like, okay. So, um, came into my room and I was, I was prepared and I saw it and it, it, um, it wasn't just a shadow figure that a lot of people see, like, um, people commonly see things too. And that's kind of a weird aspect of sleep paralysis. There's like commonalities in the, in the hallucinations that people see, which is, it makes it really interesting. But, um, my, my guy was a, a shadow figure, but he had a, a face and his face was like, um, worms. It was like rotting flesh and worms. And I was just like, <laughs> um, it's that, that got me and it scared me to death again. And so the thing picked me up out of my bed and started beating me against the wall. And I was like, Jesus. okay. And I woke up and, and then I was pretty scared again. And then, uh, a couple of weeks later I was like, okay, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta stop this thing. So, um, it, it came back into my room, just like I could see the door open It came into my room. And this time for some reason I was laying on my floor and I was like, you know, something's different, you know? So I stood up and it immediately started to try to get out of my room and I grabbed its cloak. Like it was had a cloak. And I was like, I thought of the only thing I could think of. And I started eating it. Like I just put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. And, uh, so I ate it and ate it and it was screaming so loud. It was like the screech, um, sound and it just ate and then it was silent. And I was like, I was like, well, it's like, it's gone. And, um, did you ever have a moment of like enlightenment? Like maybe this is a dream and I'm controlling it. Is that the type of, not at the time. That's the weird thing. It's like, um, I didn't really know enough about all this stuff to understand what was happening. But, um, so after I ate this thing, um, I, I looked down my stairway cause I, I was on the third floor and I could see a light down, down through the stairs. And I was like, okay, you know, what's down there. So I walked down and, it was, I, I came into this room. It was a, um, ballroom, like, uh, or a ho- hotel lobby. And in the 1940s, it was weird. And they had brass railing. It was so realistic. Like I could touch the walls and feel, feel everything. And like, I even tasted the wall, you know, I was like, this can't be real. This has to be like, you know, this is a dream. This can't be, it was so real. And then like, they had a water fountain there, Didn't like in the wall, wall. tastes like schnozberries. Yeah. <laughs> tasted like granite, just like the wall looked, you know, it was like a smooth texture, you know? And, yeah. um, they had, a um, a water fountain in the side and I went over and used the water fountain and put water in my hand and squished around and it, it acted like water and tasted like water. But then I walked down this lobby, um, you know, and I was looking at myself and I was, I had underwear on, you know, I was like in my underwear because I was sleeping and all these people that were eating their dinners, they like stopped and looked at me, you know, like, well, what the hell is this guy doing here? And I was like, I was like, this is weird. Like I, I just didn't understand what was happening, but that was, um, my first 
kind of out of body experience that happened after that. And ever since then I've, I've had them. So it was like, it was kind of like what those, um, esoteric people were talking about. Like sleep paralysis is this weird gateway to, um, like you face the, like, uh, the Tibetan book of the dead and the Egyptian book of the dead. They both talk about this experience right. where you go through, you meet, um, a figure that stops you from the pathway. It's kind of like the dragon holds the gold in like, other mythologies yeah isn't the tibetan one don't you have to give them say certain phrases to certain right. people to get through the different levels or whatever yeah and and what's interesting about that it's kind of a side tangent but um most of these religious texts are based off of like you dying right mm-hmm. so they probably had out-of-body experiences and they realized that these experiences are, are much like death and you can kind of prepare for it and so what they did is they made a they made a way for people to kind of follow an instruction, right? So that when they die, they can follow this instruction and it creates their afterlife so that they all go to the same place. Because like what the theory is, is when you die and you can do this throughout body experiences, you can experience this, is that this is just a theory, obviously, no way to prove it, but is that you go someplace based off of like your conception of heaven or hell, right? Like, Every uh, religion has one or whatever. So you go to wherever your conception is of where you want to go, like where you plan to go, where your world you created in your your uh, practice in life. So, um, but if everybody has their own, then everyone kind of just goes all over the place. They never, nobody ends up at the same place. So um, the Buddhists and the Egyptians, the idea is that they created these um guidelines so that people could go to the same place and meet up it's kind of like um you know it's like a beacon kind of sure so that that's kind of the same thing so like um when i had my out-of-body experience uh you could say that i went to somebody else's like um afterlife reality or something like that and it wasn't mine i was confused i was like what the hell is this you know um but that's kind of the idea behind it a lot of a lot of people agree with that theory I mean, it, you know, there's no. no I, I've actually never heard that. That's that's, that's super sweet, super, man. Yeah, it's super interesting. I've never yeah. heard the take on it, and it actually kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I, I, I'm big into ancient Egypt and stuff like that. Like you're saying, Book of the Dead. I mean, I'm sure you've seen our little logo with the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, that that's from the Book of the Dead. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think that uh, you're right about. St- the dreaming thing. I think that when you do psychedelics, it's kind of the closest thing to dreaming. Same thing with meditation. I meditate a lot. Um, I, people talk about astral projection. Um, I don't know if it's that, but I get sometimes it's, I won't even notice in two hours have passed and I'm so deep that I'm like actually seeing things. Yeah. Um, or in different places too. Like I'm off somewhere, like I saw some weird tower, almost like the not the Tower of Babel, but something similar looking um, last week when I was meditating, and I was deep into it too. Yeah, um, it was almost like a picture, like somebody drew a picture. But definitely. Uh, so I mean, um, like uh, out of body experiences and astral projection are like the same words, pretty much. And the uh, same thing with lucid dreaming too. There's like aspects of lucid dreaming where it's like out of body experiences as well. The only difference between like an out of body experience and a lucid dream is like um, an out of, in a lucid dream, you're in a dream and you know you're dreaming and you can control the dream. An out of body experience is kind of like um, you you don't really you're kind of an observer in a way, 
Um, and, and additionally, it, it feels a lot more real. So like, um, people say it feels more real than real. And I can say that too. I can agree. Cause you no longer have like your eyes, your mouth, your ears, uh, your senses that way you're, you're like a point of consciousness. So you're only limited by what you kind of understand as, as your senses. So you can see in 360 degrees, you know, or more actually from all angles, if you were able to do that, you know, you're not limited by eyes and ears and stuff. So you can bring in all this information that you normally can't. And, um, like what you were kind of describing is like active imagination or remote viewing too, like certain aspects of that. Um, but I think they're all tied together. They're all going to the same place. I, I got to so. ask you a question though. It feels like there's participation though when I meditate deep, like I feel like there's something and I'm not saying I'm contacting anything or, but I feel oh, yeah, like yeah. there's something else that's cause there's, it's yes. not just my imagination. Cause it's almost like a communication. Like people say praying, I always tell them start meditating because meditating, you're actually in contact with something or someone <laughs> yeah. or a whole plane of something, you know, something. Um, that's just my personal. No, definitely. Um, I'm not, I'm not like, like, mostly, like, I don't believe in like crazy shit, you know, like right, I don't right. believe in, scientifically back stuff like what we're talking about like plant medicine psychedelic sleep paralysis all that but i'm not like this person that's like oh i've been abducted and this yeah no i totally understand um well it's, so for i'll answer your first question like your or not question but your observation the the interaction that you're having when you're meditating or whatever i'm not saying that it's like a, a one-way observation like you can it's like going to another country and for me so like i'll go someplace and I'll observe it you know and i'm like trying to understand the culture and what's happening around me and i can talk to people and stuff like that 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 to me is like um astral projection or out of body experiencing i'm like uh what's going on here who are these people what are they doing here and like a lucid dream i'm like Oh, these are my people, you know, like this is my brain. I'm, I'm creating this world right. And out of my experience. I mean, it's very like, it's very possible. I'm still creating it, but it doesn't feel that way at all. It feels like this is completely outside of me. Like I am another space, much like a psychedelic experience. And, and I would say that a psychedelic experience is not even, um, as quality of an experience as a out of body experience. They are, much more realistic uh clarity is like absolutely it's not crazy time it's like you can actually communicate with other people get clear messages um it's as real as you and me like if we add a cup of coffee or whatever you know it, it well it's physical. that old thing that i think dennis mckenna you know always talks about it's like if it's if it's real to you if you've experienced it then it is real you know yeah. like it's 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 actually happening and you're experiencing it now does it have some bearing on you know everything or or science yeah. or you know that's a different no, different question but if you're experiencing it you know it's real definitely yeah so i mean like uh you were talking about uh abductions and stuff like that as well for alien abductions um and if you look into it a lot of alien abductions happen when people are asleep right, like right. most of them do um so i've had alien abductions in sleep paralysis i i know that they're you know it's sleep paralysis but shit's going on you know um, and I'm like, whatever. I, so like mo most people are actually terrified of sleep paralysis and for good reason, it's a very scary experience. Does that now. make it worse? Do you think, does that make uh, it? Sleep? Yeah. I mean, it makes it worse for you cause you react to it. Um, 
But I'm so saying, does it make it like, does it agitate what's causing it more? I guess is what I'm, I'm No, I don't think so because I, um, myself and also Ryan Hearn, who's that, um, the dream studies guy, he, he and I both agree that, um, the experience can be terrifying regardless of, uh, how cool you are with it. You know, like I will still have some crazy, creepy thing come in my room every once in a while and try to torment me. And, um, it's just as creepy as the first day I saw it, you know, but, um, what I react to it is differently. And, and so I just, typically I'm more annoyed of it just being there. So I'm just like kind of ignore it and try to get away from, me, you know, just like, um, like shaking off, you know, something sure. just like get off of me. Um, and more and more I, I've realized that, um, I try to understand it more. Um, in one instance of sleep paralysis, um, that I had, um, I actually, I was talking to a, a Buddhist teacher I had, I was taking a class in Buddhism and I told the teacher, I was like, Hey, you know, I have these, uh, sleep paralysis things. And typically at the time I just attack it, you know, like the first moment I saw it, I'd be like, just run at it and destroy it as fast as possible. And my teacher said something profound. He's like, why are you doing that? You know, he's like, why don't you try to sit down and try to understand it? And I was like, Oh, that I'd never thought of that, you know? Right. And so he's like, well, try it. And so, um, the next night, um, I tried it, I sat down and, um, to me, it was a zombie at the time it came over and, um, I was like, hey, you know, do whatever you gotta do zombie. And I, I put my head down cause I'm always like the old school zombies where they bite the brain out, you know? Sure. So I, I put my head down and he bit my brain, you know, and then, and then it was quiet and I was like, huh, you know, I'm still alive. And I looked up and I was like, Hey, sit with me, you know? And so it sat down and, and I, I noticed that it turned, it transformed and it was actually a copy of myself. And I was like, Hey, you know, like what's wrong. And it said, I'm disappointed. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it said, I'm just, I'm disappointed. You had like nothing else to say besides that. And I was like, okay. And then, um, in the few, in the distance, I saw another zombie and I was like, Hey, 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 you know, sit down with us, sit down with us. And it sat down and, um, it was the same thing. It was disappointing. I was like, okay. And, um, so then I was like just watching these two and they, they took out wires out of their stomach, like electrical wires, and then they connected it to each other and then they merged into one and then they merged into me. And then I woke up. And I was like, that was weird. And um, something that... Were they both evil or was one of them different than the other one? No, they were both the same. But I mean... That's a sweet music video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would be. It would be really trippy. Um, But uh, the the thing I think to learn about it is like... um, I mean, I'm still confused if these things are external or part of us. And I guess maybe they're all the same, one and the same. But, um, you know, when that happened uh, and I woke up my life changed something dramatic changed in my life. I, I felt different internally, you know, and, um, Carl Jung said that, um, you merge with the shadow. Like I read this after I didn't even, I didn't even know Carl Jung really at the time. I, and he talked about shadow work and merging with the shadow to actually become more, um, than yourself and your current self. He said, that's the only way humans can actually progress. And I mean, obviously like most people take that, like, um, not literally, you know, like, um, and, but I think, I think he actually was talking about literal stuff. He just wasn't allowed to say this stuff, like right. stuff. Um, 
but uh so i merged with it and and it progressed my life and i think doing that with uh sleep paralysis like the hallucinations that you see in sleep paralysis is really profound if you can actually face your fear in that experience and then not just overcome it with like anger and attacking it but you know uh approach it with uh you know, understanding when say love, but more understanding and acceptance, you know, um, sometimes it's not successful though. And so, but well, that's almost a metaphor for everything in life. You know, if you approach these assholes with love and understanding, you know, it doesn't always work out, but you know. <laughs> at least you tried, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, sleep paralysis to me is, uh, is definitely a gateway to another um, aspect of reality. And, uh, um, but it's these people that are having like uh, alien abductions and stuff, it, it's just dri- driven by fear and, and they can overcome that as well. But um, uh, I know you're, you're wanting to get into shamanism as well. And that kind of leads into well, that. I just wanted to touch on that point real quick too. So yeah. I, I think I told you about my, first experience with sleep paralysis the other day i barely got any sleep the night before i'm an insomniac i don't go to bed till super late but i don't have the you know i'm in real estate so i kind of make my own schedule so if i have i rarely have stuff early in the morning you know because people aren't seeing houses unless it's the weekend or something but um so i you know i tend to um you know work around that but in terms of my whole life I've had insomnia, but it was shocking to me the first time that I had it. Cause it really wasn't anything too different than that. It's ever happened before, but I got probably three hours of sleep. Then the next day uh, I went to work for a little bit, came home and was doing more work on my computer, just sitting down. I put my computer down for a second and then just took like a, probably like an hour nap, I'd say 45 minutes. And when I woke up, like, I'm not joking you, felt like somebody was dragging me back into the couch, and then this white light flooded over me, and I couldn't move. Like, I was fighting it. I was fighting it so hard, and it was almost like like, like I was strapped to a table or something. Um, so back, you know, to the thing you were saying about abductions, I could totally see that being why people, you know, think they're being abducted or whatever, because if you didn't know what was happening, like, that would be a plausible explanation. Now, I'm still not sold on that's just why we think of the gray archetype or that kind of, there's something to that. I don't know if that's our future or what we're going to become eventually. And we can see it now subliminally or something like that. But I think there's something going on there, but it's so ingrained into our culture now that I could totally see that being in people's subconscious and coming out during those episodes for sure. Definitely, man. Um, well, I mean, you're lucky that you didn't really have any, um, they're called hypnogogic hallucinations. So people see terrifying uh, things, you know, like the worst thing you could possibly imagine. Sometimes no, it's, it's just a white light. Just yeah. Flooding you're lucky, over. man. Yeah. But um, if you, at that point, if you knew to uh, relax, just let it happen. Um, That's how I got out of it. I stopped yeah, fighting it because I'm exactly. like, I'm not, I can't beat this, whatever this thing is. I'm, I'm already. Yeah, beat. There's like a threshold, man. Like, so all these people that practice, um, uh, lucid dreaming, mostly out of eye experiences, there's like a threshold that you get to where you can't control it anymore. So like you're accidentally getting to the point where you're over this threshold where it's like, you're, you're going, uh, you're going in this area regardless if you want to or not. And you can resist it. Uh, and it becomes very painful. And often people have like 
extreme vibrations that happen during this time. And I think that's uh, produced by resistance or trauma. Um, so you're like trying to hold on to reality, you know, mm-hmm. and you could say the same thing as happens in a uh, psychedelic experience. Like I often shake quite dramatically when I'm having those, uh, substances and sure. other people don't. Um, and probably my shaking is caused by my grasp on, I'm like, I don't, I don't want this to happen. You know, after I take it, I'm like, not, not going there again. So, um, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I've definitely seen like gray aliens, um, and with no intention to see gray aliens in sleep paralysis. And I think you um, have an interesting background. Oh, so you were in the military though. Were you ever deployed anywhere? Were you yeah, yeah. Okay. So I know people that have been in desert storm. We have a couple of cousins, one in desert storm, one, one at Iraq. And they were saying, one of them was saying something about like shadow people or something. Um, and, and just, you have a, like I said, you have a more rational, you know, what's out there. You've been out in these terrains have, do you think there's anything plausible with the whole UFO alien phenomenon? Or is oh, definitely, man. Some, so, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so when I was a little kid, like not little, but I think about 14 or so, um, I was like obsessed with space, man. And, you know, um, so I saved up all my money, went to space camp, like, you know, nice. had that whole thing. And I met this dude there and he was like, he lived in Oregon and I lived in Idaho at the time. And we were like, Hey, let's meet up, you know, in the summertime, just come over for like a month. He's like, cool. So he ended up coming over and we just slept outside watching like the stars every single night. And I was like, sweet, you know, like we're having a great time. Well, it was like 12 o'clock or something like that. It was late at night and everyone's asleep. And I see this light like in the distance and I'm like, um, um, you know, I, we have airplanes that come around where I used to live all the time. So I imagine it was like a helicopter or an airplane and, uh, you know, it started getting closer to my house and I was like, that's weird, you know, and kept getting closer and closer and closer. And finally I was like, I was kind of concerned about it. And, um, you know, like at that point, do I run inside my house and tell my parents, you know, like an airplane's coming and you crash in my house or something, you know, I, I, I was just like dumbfounded by what was happening. And, um, and it kept getting closer and eventually it got so close. I was like petrified, you know, like paralyzed or whatever, sure. uh, by this light. And I was like, uh, just watching it. And, and then it stopped and it went straight up in the air faster than I've ever seen any aircraft go in my entire life. I've seen space shuttles take off in Cape Canaveral and, and it went much faster than that. Like I'm talking like, um, kind of like that uh, go, go fast video that the they recently released uh, from, I think that what's that guy's name? Uh, Alonzo something, oh, yeah, Alizondo yeah. or something. Some guy that yeah. was the head of one of those. The you the, you know how the, they just released the, the the Nimitz one. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was on the Nimitz before, but I didn't. I wasn't there when that happened. But yeah, I definitely watched the video. It was it was faster than anything that we have the capability that I is known the capability of producing. And this we is know like, what blackbirds are. We know what, you yes. know, B2 bombers. We this know, is not that. You know, we know all that kind of stuff. So, I, yeah, it can't be. And, I, you know, even satellites, you know, what because you can see it come back to the same exact spot every right. however long, you know. So the, the interesting thing, though, is like at this time, you know, like people would say, oh, well, you were, you know, you had sleep paralysis. You were hallucinating. That's what I would think, you know, like 
I was I was just dreaming. Right. Well, um, so this thing goes up and it goes so high it curved over the horizon. So I know that it like left the atmosphere. And um, you're telling and, me the Earth isn't flat, dude? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. There you're wrong, bro. I'm gonna have to you on that one. If you if you watch real missiles take off and you watch them all the way like the space shuttle, it doesn't just go straight up. That actually starts curving, and it looks like it's it falls down like past the over the ground eventually. It's weird. So they go straight up for a while, and then they start curving down, and it, right. it's like a weird phenomenon. And this thing did the exact same thing, and so that's why I knew I was like, man, this shit went like high and fast. And my friend, who I thought was asleep, he he said, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> and um, and so I always tell the story, you know. This is like when I'm 14. So I, I tracked the guy down, you know, I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I'm, you know, over time, like my memory of this story came bad, you know, and like, I'm just telling some people some bullshit, you know? Right. And I caught up with him and he said, that was the most profound experience he's ever had in his entire life. And so I know that, you know, it was something very real to him. And this is before drones or anything like that. And what always got me, man, is like this thing traveled so fast and so high and it didn't break the sound barrier and it went way faster than the sound barrier. And that's something that's always bothered me. I'm like, how did it do that? You know, even if it was us, it's like, right. how the hell did that thing do that? So that's crazy. Yeah. So aliens, next, next time we have you on, we're going to get more into that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that could be a whole different episode. Yeah. I got lots of info, man. Aliens is uh, an interesting one to me. I always, uh, and I've seen a lot of aliens in uh, my psychedelic experiences. Definitely. I always see, um, not always, but I often see gray alien people things, you know. Well, I know that's common like that. on DMT. People say they see that archetype a lot or the machine elves, which some people associate yeah. with that same thing. I've heard an interesting theory that all this stuff is actually the same possible entity or external force. It's just putting on masks for whatever hmm. situation is called for, whether it's sleeping or seeing a UFO. You expect to see this certain thing in certain instances but in reality it's the same thing or something that's definitely yeah i mean that that resonates with what i've uh, experienced in my life man yeah um so yeah let's get into shamanism now um have you ever been to a real shaman like somebody that's considered you know no not not uh not in like south america or anything like that i mean i've i've met with um what I would consider shamans like, uh, in America and they're native Americans. Um, but they wouldn't call themselves shamans. You know, they're more, was odd. They were more like witches, you know, like legit ones. And they, they didn't, they were more witch, witch like than I've ever experienced my entire life. But that was like during a peyote ceremony that I had. And it was really cool, but, um, um, not like meeting, uh, traditional shamans, Peyote is super rare and super hard to grow to the point where it's being, you, you can harvest it, right? Isn't that? Yeah, it's, it's over harvest. Like a, it's not like a common thing. You don't see it no. because it's not easy. It takes to years to grow um, to the size enough to, to make a peyote button. And then. What's the psychedelic? Oh, is it mescaline? What's in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's an entirely different conversation with the. Uh, the difference between ayahuasca and mas- mescaline or peyote, as well as other cacti that I've tried. But um, have you ever had San Pedro? Yeah, San Pedro. I enjoy San Pedro. I've had it twice. Um, it's very. It, it's an. It's a good positive experience versus like um, um, P- 
peyote is pretty traumatic um, for me anyways. It's pretty well, intense. That similar to ayahuasca, you like barf and you got to yeah. that are last more than 24 hours. Uh, yeah, it lasts it, for me. It lasts about eight hours, oh, okay. and um, I didn't barf or anything. I didn't throw up or crap my pants, but uh, it was definitely. Um, it's not as uh, bitter. It's not. It doesn't make you purge. I don't think like ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, if you take that, you're pretty much guaranteed to like puke your guts out. Um, San Pedro or not San Pedro, um, peyote. Yeah, I, I didn't have that experience, and there was quite a few other people there, and they didn't do that either. So. Um, didn't seem like that was a big deal, but uh, shamanism. Um, so did these I mean, witches, though, did they scare? Was it like a scary uh, element? No, no. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like um, drink your head. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was like they go hold really, on. The guy puts on a huge mole on his face and puts a hat on. <laughs> yeah, no, they they kind of looked like that, but at the same time, they were like um, they were like good witches, you know. So um, they were really interesting. Glenda, people. the good witch. Yeah, but they weren't like. They, they they like were black, you know, like it was weird. It was like two uh, ideas in my head colliding at the same time. I'm like, what what's going on here? But they never said they were witches. It's just like um, what I kind of got out of it. I was like, man, these, these guys are legit, you know? So did um, they help you? Did they help you through the experience? Yeah. Was, it, was it, did you feel like you would have had, now I've heard this. Okay. So when they talk about shamans on these shows like Hamilton, yeah. or they're talking about Joe Rogan or Dennis McKenna or Terrence McKenna, you know, they talk about the, the shaman or whatever guiding you because <laughs> it is such an intense thing. It's nice to have somebody chanting some, something, or if you are having issues to have like a, almost like a babysitter there to guide you through the experience. Yeah. Um, so I'll talk, talk about that, and then I'll talk about, like, shaman, uh, shamanistic initiations as well um, from what I've learned. Um, so usually, like, a shaman's good because of they sing Icaros, they're called, in South America. Um, so South American shamans. Um, and they sing songs and stuff like that to actually call in their spirits and stuff, and as well as they do, like, um, they blow smoke on you, like tobacco smoke. Um, and... Uh, sage and stuff like that and then they also um uh suck in certain areas so they can suck like sickness out of your body um so oh, and that they do yeah and, and the and, get that poison out yeah it's kind of like yeah it's like sucking poison so i think i think a lot of these things come from uh you know those cultures traditions not so much like um they may do something you know but I think um, what there's a there's like a big disconnect between like Western medicine and then people going to South America and like have this experience or even Costa Rica now I guess or whatever anywhere it's legal um, is they're they're doing things that are traditional for those those cultures you know like sucking you know maybe maybe back in the day they had a lot of poisonous bug bites and things like that and sucking is usually like you know a way to get rid of it right so they were like yeah we suck. We just suck, you know, that's the, what we do to get the poison out. But like to us, that doesn't make any sense. So like in our psyche, right. we're like, what are they? Oh, they're just doing something, you know, it doesn't really mean anything to us. Um, the songs and in, in the native language and stuff like that, they, they speak Spanish, you know, or um, uh, uh, they're from Peru. So they think they, they speak, uh, I can't remember the name right now, but you know, another Spanish like language. Um, and, so uh, a gringo, you know, a white guy going down there or whatever, American, 
they we don't understand what they're even saying half the time, you know. And these songs are made very uh, to their culture and like what things are happening. So what I'm getting at is like um, it's kind of like a big show in a way. They put on this big mm-hmm. show, and it's not really appropriate to Western Westerners for this medicine to work on, you know. And additionally, like um, one thing that people don't understand is like um, often in South America, the shamans would be the ones that took the ayahuasca, um, not the patients. So like um, that's how they would talk to the doctors and they call them doctors and their spirits. Right. And the spirits would come and the doctors would take care of the patients, not the shaman really either. The shaman is just like a, a helper. Um, and sometimes they would even take ayahuasca, like the shaman initiation, uh, to be a real shaman in South America is that you pretty much get, you have a, a master shaman and then you're initiate and then you're an apprentice and you get put away, away from people. You go on a diet and it's not just a, um, eating diet. It's also a diet away from people and you get locked in a shed pretty much and you drink like little bits of water and juice and eat like plantain. So like the most dull food you can eat. And then you just drink plants, like a specific plant for a long time. So like, that's how they learn how to use that plant. And then through those experiences, then they know how to use the talk to the spirits and then they can administer like the different plants and stuff like that to help people out or, or just pull the sickness out themselves. They don't actually like uh, typically give giving people, Huasca, you know, like, right. like they do now and then making tons of money. So like, um, additionally, like ayahuasca isn't typically like hallucinogenic to a lot of people. Like it may be mildly because people purge out, um, most of the content of it before it can get absorbed into their brain. And, uh, they also like make it in such a way that it's really hard to absorb. So, which you know, to us, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, we're trying to see visions and stuff. So what the shamans will do, and it's, to me, it's dangerous. They'll add additional plants into, um, the, the mix. And it's a big concern to me because it's like, these people are going to South America to take ayahuasca, which is safe, but they add in like, um, Datura and stuff like that, which is like a much stronger hallucinogen. And it's a lot dangerous, a lot more dangerous than ayahuasca. It's not really researched on that, the toxicity, And so they're kind of poisoning people and making them see stuff. So they're like, oh, you, you know, you saw what you wanted to see now leave kind of thing, you know. Have so, you ever seen the the documentary The Last Shaman on Netflix? No, I haven't seen that. Um, so this, I'm not, just a little synapse. This guy, he's going to kill himself. He's giving himself a deadline. He's that depressed. His life is that miserable. His parents are both um, you know, on the board of like John Hopkins or something else, they're doctors and he himself goes to Harvard, but he's just the most depressed person, I guess, on the face of the earth. So he gave himself a deadline. He's going to kill himself if this doesn't work. So he goes down, I think it's Peru, um, into, to, or no, maybe it was Brazil. I don't know. I forget. Anyways, it's worth a watch, but he goes down there and there's so many people when he gets down there on the side of the road, right when you get down to the main part of town that are holding up jugs, trying to sell this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even like where, you know, so like the whole movie is about him finding this one guy that truly still wants to heal people and having a transformative experience through that. And it transforms him, you know, into back into being happy with himself and stuff like that. It's definitely worth a watch. It's not the best movie, but it's, it's kind of yeah. what you're talking about, but I just, I feel like 
what you're saying kind of correlated with that, with that I'm adding that stuff in and not really taking the more medicine man or shaman approach yeah. and just trying to sell this stuff so people can just do it without any sort of guidance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot more safer places. Uh, I mean, because of the internet, people can actually like um, kind of hone on the, the unsafe places and get rid of them. So there are safe places out there to take ayahuasca, but it, I, I would say it's not really traditional um, still, but I mean, um, I took ayahuasca quite a few times and it did definitely changed my life and helped me improve my life overall. So, I mean, um, one shaman that I did talk to, um, and I continually talked to, um, told, you know, I was always, I was like, how do, how do you become a shaman? You know, I always wanted to understand that not necessarily from me to become one or anything like that, but I was like, you know, how, how, how do you do this? Cause it's, it seems like anybody is kind of just, it's just a term people can use, you know, like I'm a shaman, you know, right. it's like, okay, well, what credential did you get, you know? And, um, she, she was definitely a, as a shaman, she sent me like 600 pages of her, uh, notes, journal entries throughout the years. And like talked about all the extreme stuff she went through and she travels the world, helping people doesn't do it for money. Anyways. Um, she, told me you know she's like hey the plants will tell you whatever you need to know you don't need to travel to spend thousands of dollars to come to south america if you have the capability of doing the plants and doing it the correct way you will learn everything you need to know about what they're going to teach you because it's not like uh you know you don't have to go to somebody that um is an expert in the field no one's an expert in the field because the shamans are even calling in the experts when they take ayahuasca they're not uh they're not doing it themselves they're not magical power people you know right right it's not what happens here so i mean people people want to worship someone i think and so they they look for the shaman they're like oh this guy or this woman knows stuff that i don't know and it's like well they may know stuff but they are actually they know how to call people you know they're like let me call my friend hey you know (laughs) that's what they're really doing they're not like doing anything themselves if that makes sense. And that's like, um, you know, that's more traditional shamanism than anything. But, uh, but what I really wanted to get into, uh, for the shaman stuff is not just, uh, South American. Cause, um, one thing that recently I've, I've been on this shaman, uh, journey for a long time, trying to understand what is a shaman still, you know, it's like, how did, how does somebody become that? And so I took a class on shamanism from this university I'm going to, and, um, they had a good book and it's, uh, it's actually named, uh, shamanism and it's like, uh, uh, an esoteric journey, I think. And, um, it's very old, it's very academic, but, um, one thing that they discussed in there is common commonalities throughout all cultures that this guy researched, which is quite a bit, um, where people have these experiences and it ties actually into alien abductions as well. And you can actually Google this. You can Google like, uh, shamanistic initiations, and abductions and I, some grad students somewhere wrote his like master theses on uh on this actually and show the correlations between it but um what happens is these people these initiates or whatever these people called to become shamans uh they essentially um have a dream right and in the dream they um they experience sleep paralysis oddly enough and they either get pulled down you know like yours right they get pulled down to the underworld and they get dissected. And it's it's a common thing for some reason 
throughout all these different cultures, these people get chopped up, pretty much get chopped up into pieces, mm-hmm. um, and then put back together and then come back. So it's either their underworld or it's like in the heavens. And, and so I was like, man, like, and it sounded exactly like an alien abduction where they saw these things as spirits. They're like, well, this, you know, these, the spirits pulled me up, you know, right, and right, us right. were like, because of media and stuff and everything, we're like, it's freaking aliens, you know, <laughs> aliens got us. They look the same. They talk about them being the same. And they pull them up in the space, you know, they don't call it space. That's the vision of your ego dissolving though. Like, is, do you think that's what's happening? Like, and by the way, I, I will get into this, but I think initially I thought it's good to dissolve your ego completely, but, uh-huh. then, but then lately I've been, you know, we've gotten into Rudolf Steiner and a lot of yeah. philosophers and stuff. And the ego's the ego is essential to your being too. Kind of like what you're saying, embrace the shadow. Maybe your ego is your shadow and instead of feeding it bad stuff, you embrace it and become this duality of, of consciousness. Yeah. So there's a few things that I'm not keen on. I'm not keen on uh, enlightenment. You know, I'm not, I don't, and everything that I've ever researched and everything, uh, enlight, chasing enlightenment, I think, is a, is a bad way of going about things. Like happiness is like right now, it's like, it's today it's on this world, you know, like this is life. Right. Um, regardless if it's real or not, this is what's going on. Uh, ego, like you said, ego exists, right? It exists in all people for some reason. Animals may even have ego, you know, it's like we had to talk with them. Maybe they have egos and it's like, uh, dissolving something to the point that it's, it doesn't exist anymore. That seems unhuman, you know, sure. it seems like, uh, you're trying to kill yourself. So like, um, often, uh, a lot of terms that I've heard in like the psychedelic community and stuff seems to be um, death related. A lot of people fearful of death or fearful of being alive. So they, they kind of don't want to be involved in this reality and they like want to exist somewhere else, you know? And it's like, okay, I get that. You know, like um, I've gone through that existential crisis in my life where I'm like, this sucks, you know, like reality's lame, you know, I want right. to go do something else. And it's like, Nah, man, this is this is what is happening now. For some reason, it exists and it happens right now. So it's like I'm tapping. Sorry. Um, so it's like if it if it's happening and exists, be part of it. You know, do the things that are important right now while you have it, so that when you die or whatever happens, you know, then then that happens. You know, it will come. It's just there's no rush. You know, so um, so I think that ego. I think life, I think all this stuff exists today for some reason, you know, like um, it, it happened. So we, we should take part of it. And the ego, I think, is something that, um, you know, it's always it always goes to the middle ground, right? The middle path. It's like, I think that's the best way to live. It's like, should you like inflate your ego as much as possible? It's like, well, if you do, whatever, dude, you know, it's like, that's your that's your thing. You know, is it that bad? I don't know. I can't judge you. You know, everyone's going to die. So it's like some dude that spent his entire life up in his ego. It's like, whatever, man, that's what you did, you know, and then you died. Congrats. And then he's you know? coming back as a butt plug. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Dude. yeah. Pump yeah. it up. Yeah, dude. Um, but uh, it's also, you know, it's like, well, just uh, enjoy the time you got, you know, like do what you do, what you can while you're here. So, I mean, 
Yeah. So I agree with you. I don't think egos is something that you should uh, try to be trying to dissolve because uh, you're killing yourself, you know, in a way. I think it's kind of counterproductive to being conscious, you know. Absolutely. So, but um, um, so the what I was getting to with the shamanism, sorry to go back to that, man, but I got to. No, no, let's let's get this in there. I like yeah. That. So yeah. these shamans, um, and this is actually the only requirement that they have that was like, um, I mean, each culture had their own little requirements, you know, they'd have to do like some ceremony or something like that. Right. It would be different. But uh, the, the general consensus throughout all shamans uh, practices that this guy researched, and there's quite a few, um, they had this experience where they would go and then be chopped up and then brought back. And, and after, they did that. That was it. There was no, like, you have to, like, fast, you know, on some psychedelic for, you know, years or whatever or anything like that. No, that was it. That was enough for you to be able to understand the concept of dying, rebirth, and coming back to help people. So, like, um, so I think that's the only requirement. I mean, that's the only scientific, like, requirement that I could find for, like, an actual legitimate shaman. So like, so do you believe it, it? It it is a real thing then, or do you think it's just a term associated with people that actually understand these plants in their own natural environment? Uh, I think I think it's real. Okay, so I'm gonna people are, that listen may be upset at this, but whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I think that people that use plants that haven't had this experience that I'm descri- describing aren't shamans. They're like naturalistic healers, you know. But they're not like the definition of what a shaman is. I don't know like, with you. Yeah, and I fought with like people in my class about it because they were like, "No, anybody can be a shaman." I was like, "Well, you no. go to any school nowadays, and you're gonna fight with a lot of people if you have yeah, a, yeah. if you have a reasonable take on things, you're <laughs> yeah. gonna find people that don't have reasonable takes yeah. and don't like, make jokes either, man. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> like everything's it. off limits. Uh, I like jokes. Yeah, life's serious, bro. <laughs> this is a serious topic. All right. Yeah, yeah I think. Um, the the main i mean that's the experience so like and it's odd to me like and i find it odd that these people that have sleep paralysis in a weird way are having the initial shamanistic experience initiation experience this guy talked about in his research like 60 years ago at least you know and it was common throughout all societies and it's like uh i'm in a facebook group of like um, 13,000 people that are talk, like absolutely terrified of sleep paralysis. Like I, I can't do anything to change their mind about it. Yeah. You have and, all the people, the religious people, Oh, it's the demons yeah. for sure. And you better pray to Jesus tonight. And Jesus, there's well, some people that I say, I want to say something real quick. It's yeah, funny because yeah. uh, when you're describing that, you know, being cut apart and then put back together, it almost sounds like a, the Christ story. almost. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's exactly the same thing, man. Like, uh, I mean, so if you if you go to like I think his name is John Calloway, he did the um I, I hopefully I'm getting his name right. He's the um Hero's Journey guy. Um he did he wrote books on it and everything. And what he found is there is these common mythologies throughout all societies where they have these experiences and and they're all related to the same thing. And if you listen to his uh mythology he's talking about and he dissects them and he kind of creates like a um a general theme of all of them. They are so close related to uh, shamanistic type experiences where these people go through these experiences and then they they have some ability to like help people because they 
the the idea is that you traveled someplace, you gain some knowledge and you come back and then you can help people. And I don't, I don't really know what that means. You know, like I don't know what you get or what that whole, you know, process means and why we have it like in our brains and why this happens to us. But it does, you know, it's happened for thousands of years. And, and there's themes in all religious texts talking about these experiences and Christianity is not limited to it. And, uh, and, and that's another thing is like what I've re, re, uh, recently learned is that Christianity isn't limited to, um, isn't against out of body experiences and all this stuff either. Like these monks and stuff, you know, like, no, dude, they're all, doing this, it too. all that stuff's the cat. I, I grew up, I went to Catholic school. Yeah, it depends on what department you're fucking with. Right. I come yeah. from a Catholic background. I can honestly tell you what was going on the most. And I hate to say it, but I mean, I believe in God. <laughs> I actually believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in all. The problem is, is there was this thing, the Catholic church and, it maybe started off as a pure good thing, but like anything else, it gets corrupted. And then you have popes running armies. Yeah. You have, you know, egos running wild. You have all sorts of gross, disgusting shit happening with priests and kids and all sorts of shit. Um, so for me, when I look at the, it's almost like they, they were selling themselves as the conduit to a God or a deity or gods or whatever. And in reality, you don't need that conduit. You are the conduit. You can meditate. You can take psychedelics. You can dream. You can have lucid yeah. dreams. Those are the connections. It has nothing to do with some guy waving his hand or doing ceremonial magic or, you know, all that goes back to even ancient Egyptian times where we get a lot of the Christian, um, you know, the, the, when you go to a, like a Catholic mass or a lot of that stuff's based off of even ancient Egyptian stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I used to be hard on like Christianity cause you know, I was like, Oh, I used to be Christian and I lost my faith and you know, they got it all wrong or whatever like that, you know, but I think, um, every, and a lot of, uh, you know, great philosophers would say the same thing. Every religion goes the same place too. Um, it's all some, part of the same source in a way like once you get down to it mm-hmm. it's about like understanding your own spiritual practice and experience in life and then uh, eventually dying and, and going someplace um hopefully better um but the uh i recently found like a an actual old wood cutting of uh some um saint catholic saint then he was like literally flying through like people's walls and stuff like that, like messing with them while they're sleeping. And uh, he rescued like a bunch of prisoners um, in the story. And that's why he was like a saint, but he did it when he was having an out of body experience. And so I was like, what the hell, you know, like these people even like have paintings of this, you know, it's like, um, but you know, like my family is very Christian. And if I speak of this kind of stuff, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not against Christian. My full family still goes to church. I will still go to church with them if it's like a holiday or whatever. The problem I have, like I said, is this concept that you have to save yourself by going to church or you must go every Sunday or you must not eat meat, uh, you know, on Friday. No, that to me is if you're logically... If you're a lot, it's tradition, but it's, if you're a logical person, it's not necessary. It's not, again, you know, there's, there's so many ways that you can go about tapping into the same thing without actually having to go to church. And actually I can make the point church is a lot of bullshit for not that the priests aren't good or anything like that, but just that it's a business like anything else. They want you to keep coming back. They want you to donate to their, their uh, parish. They want you to do all the stuff that's going to keep them going and doing what they're doing. And that's good. And, and there's probably some sort of moral 
you know, I look at it as like religion and church is needed for a long time to, to correct our animalistic natures. Don't kill people. Don't screw your neighbor's wife. Don't steal. Yeah. Don't cheat. You know, all that stuff. Those are all great morals. And I think we, yeah. you know, if we're, if we're, I feel like we're on the cusp of this evolutionary break off right now where we can either continue down this path and something bad will, will happen, or we can break off and, and use these plant medicines and, 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 and learn from the past through ancient knowledge and, um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. I think that there's so many people out there wrapped up in their day to day. They don't look at some of these themes and some of these, um, you know, uh, storylines. If you like, you're saying there's a communistic or a common uh, thread between all these ancient, you know, civilizations using all these medicines and stuff. Well, I think that goes for a lot of things, whether it's a belief in God or um, culture stuff, anything like that. I think that that's the glue, you know. So. If we can tap Preach into, on now. Preach on if, if, if we can tap into all that and use that instead of just looking in and saying, oh, that's cool, or oh, yeah, that's interesting. No, there's something there. There's a reason why they built the pyramids. Oh, yeah. The reason why they, uh, you know, you know, people have been doing using these plant medicines for thousands of years. There's a, there's a reason for these things, so that these traditions have continued. And, you know, I even look at what you're saying. You know, you've been in ayahuasca. There's, what, 4,000, 5,000 plants in the jungle and they were in the Amazon jungle and they were able to find the one MAOI inhibitor and then the one, you know, uh, the route that containing high amounts of DMT. So it's like, how did they find that out? Were people just boiling roots and then one hit or? Yeah. yeah and they, um, I hear this over and over again. They always say that the plants told them. How right. To find it. I Graham Hancock always says yeah. that when he's on different stuff and I, yeah. I believe it, but it's like, where was that Genesis? Where was that origin point? How long ago was that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's hard to say, but I mean like, yeah, I'm not against, uh, uh, Christianity or religion either, uh, in the sense that it provides people, um, it provides people a culture and a community. Yeah. Um, and it creates a mythology that people, I think every person needs uh, a mythology to believe in so that they can have a foundation to their life. And like, uh, I went to a psychedelic meetup yesterday in Seattle and, um, the people there are really great people and very interesting. And they came from all areas, uh, of life. And, um, one guy said, you know, he's like, I don't go to church anymore. And he's like, and I feel lost, you know? And I was like, and he's, that's why he showed up. He's older. And he's like, um, you know, I just can't talk to people about this stuff. And I was like, it made sense. I was like, this is, uh, this is his church, you know, like he's kind of, he's creating commune with right. other people, um, around something that speaks to him, you know? Um, and another thing is like, um, you know, Jesus, uh, said that, you know, every person is their own temple. Now, um, you don't have to go to a temple, you know, uh, the Mormons might not like that idea, but, um, that's and Jesus meditated too. Yeah. You read the life of Jesus. I think, I mean, it's in the Urantia papers. I don't know what other texts involve because most people think Jesus either as a baby or 33 year old getting crucified. They don't really know too much, but there is the life of Jesus out there. Anybody looking for it. Um, and it does talk about how he would meditate to speak to his father as opposed to prayer. Prayer is like a one way help signal meditations, like a conversation. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think community, um, is what, you know, is really important to people, man. And I think, I think today, um, for one, the destruction of like, uh, churches generally, like people aren't going to them as much and stuff like that. 
people are losing a lot of that community that they used to have and there's no replacement. So um, people are going to the internet and communicating. And unfortunately, I mean, I enjoy the talk with you guys today, but I wish we, you know, could sit you know down and have trolls, a beer or something. Do you know how many trolls or idiots like are on it? <laughs> I was, it was rare to find, it was, no, I mean, okay, so we started talking on Reddit, like I said about it, Amanita Muscaria. And we were actually having an intelligent conversation back and forth. I can't tell you how many dumb people that are just looking to get their rocks off or yeah. think they know what they're talking about. or um, And it's hard because it's like I want to tell this person kind of what's up, but I don't want to come off like an asshole either. Yeah. But there are so many trolls. And even when you think that you're trying to help somebody, then they're just fucking with you or whatever. You know, yeah. So it's like that part of the internet pisses me off to the point where it's like I barely go on Facebook only to look at like family pictures yeah. and stuff. Cause I think Facebook's the worst at that. But. Oh yeah. I'm always on a defensive. Like I thought about this like a couple of days ago. I was like, you know, I really, I really want to connect to a lot of people, especially through like uh, Reddit and the psychonaut group and stuff like that, as well as Facebook and stuff really want to connect to people. And, but the problem is, is like every time I go on these, uh, these outlets, I'm always on the defensive about um, how they, look at my information and stuff, you know, if it's not well, people perfect. People want to fight, too. Yeah. Just, so people have this, like, hurt. fight. Yeah, yeah, they just want to debate. They want to be right. I actually, we always talk about Joe Rogan, because I think Joe Rogan's probably got the best podcast out yeah. there. But he talks a lot about it, where people are just looking to win. They just want to win. Yeah. Their life sucks, or they, this sucks for them, or that sucks for them. They can't get their way. So they go on the Internet, and they it makes them feel better to either put people down or get in a debate where they're throwing stuff out there. Kind of like what you're saying. You, I feel the same way. I feel like I can't even make a comment without knowing that I'm going to have to respond. I'm like, I, hey, you better when, know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, when yeah. I post on Reddit, when I post on Reddit, I know what's coming. I'm, I'm waiting for something. <laughs> yeah, just waiting. And that's the best one. Cause that's usually the most intelligent people where I actually have learned a lot about ancient Egypt and astronomy and you get real astrophysicists on there and you get all, yeah, sorts but you're of feeding stuff. into it too. Cause you know what you're getting into, in but I'm not debating place. it in a, in a negative way. I'm just putting facts <laughs> out there. I like to, like, you know, him, like, did I, you know, uh, Lee, did I come at you hard? No, we had a, we no. had a nice conversation. That's <laughs> the way I approach it. If somebody starts getting shitty, I'll get shitty too, but I don't initiate that if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think real communication is, uh, and Joe Rogan actually talked about one of the, his episodes. He was talking, I think, the um, Michael Pollan actually, when he was interviewing him, he's talking about like, um, actually having real conversations with people. Cause there's so many trolls out there just trying to start fights and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's why I went, uh, I mean, it's like a two hour drive for me to get to this psychedelic uh, group meeting, but I was like, you know, I got to, I got to make the effort to talk to people in person because it's like, I want to build relationships. It was so great, man. I I was like, finally people that, and I found out they actually live closer to me. Like people drove all the way there from here to go there. So I was like, Hey, let's meet up. Where are you at? You're out in uh, Seattle. Is that where you're Yeah, near Seattle, like on the, um, by Tacoma. And so like, uh, meeting up with some guys on Thursday. Um, even though I just talked to them Sunday, you know, there's, dying for conversations you know so um people you know a bit, huh? yeah anybody that was listening to this you know it's like if you feel like you're ostracized depressed and shitty you know and you're just like oh I'm, i hate my life you know because i can't talk to anybody about my feelings and shit you know because like nobody will listen to me at church it's like hey man there's groups online just go out and talk to these people they're as awkward if not more awkward than you are you know and and they want to talk and you just say, Hey, how's it going? You know? Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you got a friend. So, um, 
don't stay in your room, you know, like get out, do that. Reach out. Yeah. So what, uh, when you look at the state of things, we're, we've almost gotten to the point where it looks like <laughs> the pressure's on for federally legalizing um, marijuana and CBD yeah. and all that stuff. Um, there's still a couple instances here or there, somebody not being able to get CD, CBD or being taken away or like that one little girl that got, has epilepsy where I think they took her away from her parents in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you have instances like that that are just like, this stuff helps this person. <laughs> and she's like yeah. literally having grand mal seizures all over the place. What, why can't you just take, like, why? It's just so asinine to me. It's ridiculous. But I guess that still exists out there. But it looks like we're getting close. And then you got the MAPS research into MDMA. Uh, you've got California. They're doing the psilocybin with dying can- cancer patients. Um, and they, I even saw Peter Thiel, the guy that invested in Facebook, um, was was pushing, making the way to push the way for the whole now uh, psilocybin movement in California. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see about that. But uh, what do you think about all these trials and all this actual science, science and research going into all this stuff? Well, I think it's great. I think... Uh... I mean, for, I was in the military, um, I got medically discharged cause I have like severe back pain and, uh, hip problems. So, um, for me, you know, I would have loved to actually be able to use CDB wise in the military or, um, THC even, you know, like a combination of it. I didn't really understand marijuana while I was in. So I was like, Hey, I heard it takes care of the pain, you know, whatever, whatever helps. Um, but they were prescribing me like, uh, mild opiates, you know, for sure. pain management. And I was like, I would take it and I was like, man, this shit just makes me like, um, off, you know, I don't feel Tired good. and itchy and disgusting. Yeah. I hate it, that. Opiates are, I think are the worst me- to me. I yeah. don't know how it reacts with everybody, but I've never liked taking it involuntary, no. involuntary. I mean, it made me feel, it made me feel like every day was Christmas too. And I was like, this isn't good. You know, like if I go to work, uh, in the shittiest place possible and it's like, I'm having a great time. Something's not right, you know? Like, um, so See, I, I get the military thing though. Like, <laughs> I get, I get not allowing it for to get if high. You're an active yeah. Sur- yeah. If you're an active service, you shouldn't be, you're, you're putting your life at risk and other well, people's lives at risk. Now there's a different way of like, I mean, but if, if you're out of it though, if you're not in active combat, let's say you're stationed somewhere yeah. you're doing, you should, if you're in pain, man, like what the fuck they know yeah. that it helps. It's been proven, you know? So yeah, and it's not addictive to the point where I think we've all had to quit a few times. Anybody that smokes in their life has had to quit here and yeah. there, and it's not anything. I don't see yeah. anything in terms of, like, negative results when you yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take breaks, you know, like, for a week or something, you know, and I'm like, I, I feel no withdrawal symptoms. Some people do, I guess, but I, I personally don't from marijuana. Well, I but quit I'm smoking, too, like, just vaping the extract shit. I mean, that's I – mean, I don't think you can get – better than you know as far as like a clear yeah non-invasive you know you're not getting the body buzz or anything like that either so. oh yeah yeah but i mean uh you know their concern is that you know somebody will smoke marijuana and then come to work and be high and and you know but it's like well uh the military has a huge problem with alcoholism and like people just yeah. massive amounts of people getting hammered and coming to work like there was an instance where this guy was carrying a tree underneath his car trying to get to work. Um, and it was like the wrong time. Even he just blacked out and he woke up and he thought it was the next day and he was late for work. So he ran over a tree and then dragged it all the way to uh, the ship. And I was, and where it was like, uh, an open captain's mass, which means like you have like 
a thousand people standing around uh, a stage pretty much. It's like an old school prosecution, you know, off of his head kind of thing. And right. it's like, look at this guy and how screwed up he is. You know, it's like, well, you know, like, yeah, he's messed up, but it's like, why is he messed up? How did he get to this point? You know? And it's like, um, for me, you know, um, didn't want to take opiates. Alcohol was kind of like a, a better way of managing and pain. Cause I could sober up and not feel like shit the next day too, you know? So it was helping a little bit, but I knew like, that's not like a way to live, you know? So I was counting down the days so I could get out and try weed. You know, I was like, maybe, maybe this will help, you know? And it did, it greatly reduced um, my pain. And my wife will tell anybody, she's like, I can tell when he's not uh, smoking because he starts getting agitated and like not screaming at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Weed makes you make it so you don't, you, you don't want to fight with people. And <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. What about yeah. PTSD? Do you think that that kind I mean, I, I, I know people that say that it's helped theirs, but do you, what do you think about any of this plant, whether it be, you know, marijuana or even some of the psychedelics helping with yeah, definitely. Um, the, uh, PTSD? One thing I do, I think psychedelics do, and is and, um, Michael Pollan talked about it, is that like um, it allows your brain to kind of shut down certain areas so that you can actually kind of think through problems. So um, weed makes me kind of think a little bit more, but what I've noticed is it makes me think differently than I typically would. So I can actually come at a problem from a different angle. Uh, psychedelics, I think um, mushrooms and other you know psychedelics, they definitely allow you to. Um, see the problem that you're having in your life at a different angle and then think about it differently with long-term um, effects. So you can, you can learn from that, you know, like, I don't know about you guys, but um, since I started smoking weed, like um, I'll, I'll hear something like an argument or something like that. And I'll think of, uh, I'll think about it and I'll think about it um, with like something I would say. And what I found is like, um, through that thinking, I'm like, I would never have thought of that typically. Or you can but restrain it, yourself and then say the thing that makes more sense. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. I've come to like a, an idea of weed where uh, the reason people don't fight is because we like continually think about the problem. So like, I always like, I'll get mad at someone, you know, and then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to say this. And then I'll be like, well, should I say that? You know? And then like People the week, it's in. paranoia, but wouldn't you say it's just a heightened state of awareness? Like you're more aware. Yeah. So you're less likely to, to your subconscious allowing you to say or dictate things through that, you know? Yeah. I mean, like if I'm high and I'm angry or something or whatever, um, I'll be definitely more aware of like the multiple different ways of like attacking that problem or uh, thinking about that problem to the point so that I, I realize eventually that it's not even worth commenting on. And then I just don't say anything, you know? And I think that's what weed kind of does. It's like, you know, like a weed guy or a hippie or a piehead or whatever, maybe like mad at somebody in like a bar or something like that, you know? But the weed guy is like, he thinks about it so much. He just talks himself about and have talks himself out of having the fight versus the bar, you know, the drunk guys is like, whatever. And he just like starts punching people, you know, smashes the bottle and attacks you. (laughs) Yeah. So the weed guys like, I just thought about it to the point I just lost, you know, train of thought and I don't care anymore. I don't even want to move right now. It's like, I'm good. So yeah, man, I think, uh, I mean, PTSD, um, anxiety, a lot of military people have that. And obviously PTSD, um, it's, it's good for that. Um, obviously it would be great if, uh, somebody that has PTSD is like in a counseling session where they actually like get high, you know, and then can talk about their problems, whatever. And 
on top of that, there's research showing, and it's this research is like negative towards marijuana, but I think it's absolutely positive, um, where people that are high are extremely suggestible. So you're you're actually higher in hypnosis than typically you can get um, through traditional hypnosis therapy. So if you got high and then somebody talks about your problems and says like, hey, you know, like they're giving you a counseling session or whatever, you're actually more willing to listen to people because you're hypnotized to like actually through marijuana than you would be through normal hypnosis. So like for me, uh, I eat a lot, you know, like when I'm high or whatever. And so um, I just started telling myself to eat healthy, like when I'm high. So I like self hypnosed, hypnotized myself through weed. And what I found is the more I did that, the less I wanted to eat bad food. And it happened really quickly. So then I would get high and I'd be like, oh, I have the munchies, you know. Mm. And instead of like going for the bag of Doritos or whatever, I would just go for like grapes or um, some veggies or drink water, things like that. And it really was effective. Um, it's kind of like a progressive thing. You have to keep kind of doing it every once in a while, but it, it's super effective. And I mean, anybody that's gotten high and like watched like YouTube videos or anything like that about like um, research or anything, um, even like bizarre thoughts, like bizarre videos on controversial ideas or whatever, like I've found myself to be, you know, kind of starting Super to believe. Suggestible. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe they're flat. Play. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's why I thought the earth was flat for yeah. two days. I did watch yeah, the earth is flat video when I was high and I was like, I was like, okay, I can't believe this shit, but you know, I'm like, man, this sounds really good. Uh, how, come the, how come the Earth yeah. doesn't spin underneath yeah. the helicopter? They are yeah. convincing. After you watch ten of them in a row, it's like, yeah. wait a minute, maybe this thing is flat. Am I an idiot for thinking it's round now? Yeah. This is fucked up. You're like, I gotta sober up. Shit. <laughs> then you watch like five minutes of why the Earth is round. And you're like, all right, yeah. well, I gotta get out of this, yeah. man. I, yeah, back to that's, zero now. Yeah. Blame YouTube for that. That's a, yeah, man. that's like suggesting you can even like, for instance, I'll watch a documentary on something that somewhat has merit, you know, some scientific merit, but then the next thing will have no scientific merit, you know? So it's like, yeah. they need to be better at like, right, they, well, they link it, they link the shit. So you could be based a, on title. Hour. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There these algorithms. They can tell you if you have other people's music, but they can't tell you if some fucking idiot said the earth's flat. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, let's. Why, uh, why are there no doctors that say the Earth's flat? Why are there yeah. no scientists that back it up? You know, it's always just Joe YouTube. <laughs> yeah. One thing, one one more thing, I want to ask you too. Yeah, um, what's the deal with those on your website? And I'm going to pull up your website right now. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with the lucid dream pill thing that's on there? Why don't you explain that? Oh, okay, so um, I mean, you could actually say these are some of them are psychoactive. I think. Some of them are. They're not just listed as a psychoactive um, drug, though. But um, so uh, anybody that's into lucid dreaming and they don't, they kind of want to use a quicker method because, you know, life is in the way. Um, lucid dreaming supplements are huge. Um, Thomas Usack wrote a, um, a blog or wrote a book about it, and it was a very well-researched um, book. But um, in his book, he talked about different supplements and how they um, – they can help you to um, alter your brain, just like psychedelics do, right? In a way that you can remember your dreams, you have a better chance to remember your dreams uh, or experiencing what's different. What's in the supplements? Uh, there's a lot of different supplements. So, like, I mean, these are 
a lot some of these are like plants you know that you would find out in uh uh in your spice rack or whatever you know like, what about, like um, melatonin does that even work yeah melatonin is uh what can be considered a lucid dreaming supplement as well but so each uh, this is kind of a complex uh topic but each supplement does something specific inside your brain and it releases chemicals so um serotonin acetylcholine um nicotonic acetylcholine receptors it, it activates these receptors which change how your brain um think how your brain thinks um or how it remembers things um it moves you can actually chemically move sleep around so like REM you can physically or chemically push it to later on in the night so 5-HTP um which is a precursor to serotonin it actually um will restrict REM to until it wears off so it says whenever 5-HTP or serotonin is activated REM is doesn't exist right and Would that help with with people with anxiety too because like i know I had bad OCD. The whole reason why we were talking is because I've yeah. used some of the same methods we've talked about to get over my OCD to the point where it's almost non-existent. Once in a while, something will pop up, and I'll have a you know have to deal with it for like a day or so. But once I go to sleep and wake up the next day, it's back to normal. So when I went to the doctor initially, they're like, "Oh, it's your serotonin levels, and we got to give you this and give you that." Right. Every single thing they gave me <laughs> made me feel worse. It's like, yeah. what the fuck are they prescribing? And I literally took every every SSRI, MAO, all that stuff. Yeah, it was fucking me up. So I stopped taking it all and just went strictly, you know, from the earth. And here I am, far better right. than where I was. Good, but, but my question was, was that help with normal anxiety? That five HTP? Yeah, I mean. Um... So that's based off of the serotonin um, theory that, you know, people that are depressed typically have lower serotonin in their brains. Um, So 5-HTP would increase the amount of serotonin that you have uh, in your brain. Um, And that's why it works for drains as well. But on uh, a side note, um, what researchers have found is that the majority of your serotonin is actually in your stomach. So it's released through the stomach and then goes to the brain. So... What I think, um, you know, this is a side note, but depression um, may be linked um, directly to gut flora as well as, like, what you eat. So um, people that have depression should probably look at what they're eating and try to change their diet maybe to see if that would help before. Um, I mean, obviously, they listen to their doctor and decide for did themselves. You the, but... Did you see the study that just came out linking... Um schizophrenia to the same thing you're talking about, how it might be created through malabsorption of certain needed, um, like, you know, like uh, whether it be, you know, vitamin D or whatever, B12 or whatever's lacking that that could create an environment in your brain in which you hallucinate because your, your body's not getting the nutrients that it needs. It's, you can look it up. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of studies out there, but yeah, they recently came out and that used to be an old myth too about that. And then they dispelled it and now they're going, kind of going back to it. It just seems to be a, yeah. a lot of this stuff goes, but, um, but that makes sense. And to be honest with you, I started watching Food Network like four years ago too and started really getting into cooking and now I don't eat any like fast food or junk and I feel way better, I have more energy. Um, so I think you're right. I think what we put in our bodies in terms of food and I don't drink alcohol or anything, so I think that has a lot yeah, to do. Yeah, too, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that in, by doing that, you know, you're, you're cleaning out your pineal gland, you know, decalcifying yeah. it. If you're using turmeric and different, you know, 
apple cider vinegar when you cook, that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you about the whole gut flora thing. I think that has a lot to do with it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so melatonin is good for, um, putting you to sleep. Obviously that's why people take it. Melatonin is produced in your pineal gland. So if your pineal gland is calcified due to fluoride, um, then you can, you know, you can try to help yourself that way, but it's also produced, um, your pineal gland only produces melatonin when there's absolutely zero light available. And that also means that um, light going through your eyelids is, counts as light going to your pineal gland. So like if somebody leaves the TV on at night, things like that, or look at screens before they go to bed, they're not producing any type of um, melatonin in their pineal gland. And then they obviously have troubles going to sleep. Um, melatonin is a sleep um it's not a sleep initiator. It's like a sleep um, helper. So it, it's what uh, helps you go to sleep. Versus like if you can get relaxed enough first and then let that kick in and assist you in the fall, that's kind of what Right, yeah. It definitely makes people tired and it affects people differently too. Um, I don't take melatonin just because uh, I don't have any problems going to sleep, um, but my wife does and it helps her go to sleep. So if you're trying to get a better night's rest, then melatonin is a great um alternative to turning off all the lights if you can't do that didn't they um, dispel the whole tryptophan thing too and i know we can talk about that but tryptophan is one molecule away from dmt and a lot of other psychedelics yeah so well um serotonin is uh tryptophan too it's a form of it so um they're all trying to get to like like all these things are precursors in order to get to like the main um chemicals inside your brain so precursors eventually get converted um into that and like uh i think uh, melatonin gets converted into beta carbolines or something like that and i had an article somewhere on my website about um the connection between um dreams and uh psychedelics as well um and i can send that to you guys after the podcast Well, um, look, I mean, your website's awesome. I'm, we're on here now. Man. I'm just looking around. I was looking around the other day, too. You got a whole thing. It looks like you've got a discussion thing where you can kind of go on and have yeah, you know, discussions with people. And you got, you know, your blog, dream, sleep, consciousness, psychedelics, spirituality. And you do a podcast, too, by, by the way. Anybody um, listening to this, go on and check out. I was listening to one where, uh, about the... Well, you're the Ica Rose, the, the yeah. you know, so yeah, there's, there's stuff on there too. Um, and you can sign up on the website too and subscribe. I highly recommend you do it because all this research is fascinating. And I think that uh, anybody interested in this topic should definitely be, you know, intaking anything they can, you know. Great. Yeah. I appreciate the, the pimp out on my website there. <laughs> um <laughs> The, the main thing I'm trying to do with the, the website is um, create a group of people, uh, a type of commune in a way, you know, uh, online to um, get a bunch of people together where they can actually talk. Um, and I try to weed out people that aren't really uh, – I try to weed out the trolls. So I personally interview each person to make sure that they're uh, – Smart. Yeah, it's somebody on there that can contribute. And the rules uh, state that – um, I wanted to make it sh- so that people would listen to each other and they would listen to themselves. So not just like lie to themselves. And if somebody needs help or something like that, they would actually listen to their, their, what their brain is saying to them and their mind is saying and soul is saying and saying, Hey, I need to get help versus like, um, you know, continually cycling around and doing the same thing over and over again in life. 
So that's kind of what I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make a community of people that can actually uh, talk about real stuff and like um, try to figure it out. I'm more of like a scientific guy, you know, like, so that's where I kind of come from. Um, But there's a lot of people in there that are um, non-scientific. There's spiritual people, things like that. And they, uh, mostly the group's about interested in out-of-body experiences and stuff right now, but trying to get um, more engaged audience for psychedelics as well. And um, not just talk about like the massive amounts of drugs that they can take, but more like what they're learning from it and um, how they can implement that experience into their life and actually make real long lasting changes versus just like, when's the next uh, trip going to happen, you know? So um, that's what I'm trying to do. People say they don't like the word plant or the term plant medicine. I like it because of this. Specifically what you just said about people, how much can I take? Oh man, I got so fucked up. I saw a purple elephant dancing across the room. That kind of stuff pisses me off because I mean, anybody that's really have had either had an experience or understands this whole uh, realm of things knows that that's bullshit. And I hate when I see that kind of stuff. So when you, when people hear the word medicine, they think medicine and some people abuse medicine, but for the most part, medicine is a word that I associate with healing or don't take too much or just a little bit and see what happens kind of thing. So that's kind of what I, I like that term is because if you start saying psychedelics, well, then we could be talking about our experience at a fish concert or, yeah. you know, what we did, you know, when we, we did stupid shit in high school, you know, stuff like that. So I think there, there, there's validity to this, but we got to be careful because it is, these are powerful tools. These are powerful things and they should definitely, you know, like we were talking about shamans, there is a reason there are shamans. There is a reason why this stuff, um, is illegal for the most part. I'm not saying it shouldn't be legal. It should be an option at some point. Hopefully it gets there. But in terms of it is a potent, you know, brew per se for most of this stuff. So, you know, take a little bit and figure it out and don't get too crazy would be my, you know, yeah. anybody. And then just, it just adhere to it, you know, like let go and just let the experience happen. I think what you were saying earlier about fighting it and shape people shaking, I see that stuff too. It's like, you just, let it, you know, like what you were saying about the, the sleep paralysis too, just let it overtake you. Let it, And once I did that and just let whatever was going to happen, happen, it, it was peaceful and it got, got you out of there. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, okay. So I've, I've taken a decent amount of psychedelics, high doses, um, seen some crazy shit. I'm, I'm a guy that visually sees stuff like, um, my friends won't be seeing anything, you know, on low doses or whatever. And I'm sitting there like, hallucinating hardcore um i just that's just how it works for me for some reason but what i can say is that um dreams even though the a massive amount of crazy stuff that i've seen through psychedelics if you want to trip balls have a dream have a out-of-body experience there's a lucid dream because it's nothing is going to be as real and a quality of an experience as that but if you're trying to heal yourself or you're trying to understand yourself in a different way think about something a different way and then psychedelics are a great tool to get and like i don't and medicines that's great you know that's a good term i think it, it is a medicine but i also think it's a in a way it's like a spirit right like we have a i think we have a misunderstanding of spirits as well but um for me it's like it's like a friend you know if i want to go get advice then from psilocybin then i take psilocybin and psilocybin gives me some advice about my life it doesn't fix my life for me but it gives me another way of looking at it and it talks to me and it communicates in a way that I can understand and, 
and we have a decent relationship, you know, if I want to get like, uh, if I really fucked up in life and I want to get my head bashed in, you know, from a friend, you know, and tells me, Hey, stop fucking up. Then I'll go to ayahuasca because that's what I'm going to get from that friend. You know, it's not going to be a, always a good conversation. So, um, I think these things to me are friends and it's, uh, it's just like a relationship that I have with my good friends. It's a, it's a two way conversation, but I'm also learning from them and listening and, uh, and, but you know, I don't go in for the trip. You know, I happen to see a lot of crazy shit, but that's not why I'm there anymore. I'm there for communication and learning. Um, if I really want to have a trippy experience, I go back to dreams because that's just how it is. I agree with you. I think meditation and dreaming the more, I mean, look, when I was younger in high school, we did all this shit. We don't, you know, like, and it wasn't even in a spiritual capacity, but I know the power of it and I know what it does. So, um, I've done it, you know, my adult life too. I have no need to do it now. I think, I think you're right. I think meditation, lucid dreaming are the most potent forms of that. Um, and I think you get more out of it too. It's more insightful. Not that psychedelics can't be, but I just feel like, there's got to be a set and a setting and then everything's got a line right to come out of it. Like you've seen as somebody in a movie that I went on a vision quest or had a crazy experience. I think that that happens, but not at the pace that people think it happens, you know? Um, but I think you were right about the, the, the whole lucid dreaming and, uh, you know, like I like to think, I think meditation does that for me as well. So I think that there are things that you can do to touch into these, um, realms without, taking a you know, supplement or a drug or anything like that. So I think yeah. that that's, that's a, that's a good point too. It's like, there should be all options, but there's no real one way because everybody's different, you know? So. Yeah. What we really need is uh, education reform in the country and not just America, like all through Europe as well. America's not the only one with the problems. Uh, Asia has got their own problems too with uh, drug policies and stuff like that too. They're very restrictive, just like, America, if not worse. They're the ones taking all these crazy synthetic drugs that are... Yeah, but they're not taking them because... (laughs) Of course not. They get in jail quick and their head cut off and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they're very harsh laws over there. But um, what I think is that people just need a... We need a way to actually educate people scientifically and logically about uh, medicine and psychedelics is a medicine and, and how to properly use this stuff in our lives versus like the no pol- no drugs at all policy is not, it's not working. It doesn't work for the military either. So, um, it just doesn't work, but proper education and the dangers and the positives of each drug, I think regardless of the drug too, needs to be done like cocaine and like cocaine used to be sold in uh, grocery stores, you know, and, um, and, the. Uh, in World, War II, Cola. <laughs> World War II, um, people took, I um, uh, uh, can't think of the name right now. They took, uh, like, lauded, lauded. God, I make me think about it. Um, meth. They took meth. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was reading that. Actually, there's a lot of people that think Hitler was yeah, all was, messed up. He was, too. man. He <laughs> had severe depression, and so they thought the cure to depression was... Um, well, what do you think Adderall is? Adderall is like yeah. legal meth, basically. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty much yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so our drug, our our concept of drugs... Here, take Adderall, totally but don't take something up, that man. helps you. Take this thing that's going to make you stay up all night and shit your pants, but don't take something that's going to give you insight into your life, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a great book. It's Chocolate to Morphine. Um and that 
was one that I read when I was younger and I was like, it really lays out a very clear uh, indicator that all these things that we think aren't drugs are drugs like coffee and chocolate even. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, I can't even drink coffee now. I feel like I got shot out of a rocket. Yeah. And, uh, all these, um, you know, and then the bad drugs, everyone's like, Oh, there's a, those are really bad, you know, and they are, there's, there's very bad things that could happen if you get addicted to them. But there was also like, there was uses for them. You know, there are uses for, um, these drugs for helping people. So that's, that's a great book. And I forget the name of this other book that I read. It was really good, but I will send you a link to it as well. And it talked about, um, the history of drugs, like all throughout the beginning of time to, you know, pretty much today. And I talked about how all these people, how the drugs became illegal too. And that's an important thing to recognize too, is like, why, why did these drugs become illegal? And oddly enough, most of the drugs, um, are illegal because the doctors started abusing the drugs, not the patients. So, cause they were the ones that administered it and had the, the rights to it. So it's interesting. They're like, Oh, this is, this is too much for a normal human being. So we'll, hmm. we will make it illegal. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have a classification. I call them garbage drugs, you know, you're, yeah. and there's not, it's not that there's no use for it, but like heroin as a street drug, there's no real yeah, yeah. use for that crack meth. Um, bath salts, you know, like I think yeah. you see like people like Hamilton from Hamilton Morris, you know, he's doing stuff like getting a positive spin on PCP and doing a positive spin on meth and trying to, you know, find these like little niches of these terrible things and how they've kind of gone wrong. And I think that's interesting, but I do think that some of those have a corrosive oh, yeah. uh, effect on your body and your, your mindset too. I don't, well, I don't, you know. I think that, uh, I mean, like, it's important to go to the culture, too, and where these um, plants are, because, like, coca leaves, um, yeah, I think they're in Brazil. Yeah. yeah, they chew it, and then and then the, the sad thing was, and this was maybe, like, 10 years ago, they were, um, they were really upset because they used coca leaves to, like, as a stimulant to, like, help them do work, and it's part of their culture, and they really enjoy that, you know? It's right. like us take like it's like saying like you can't drink, drink coffee, coffee yeah. anymore yeah. and people just lose their minds you know and like they and they made it illegal because the, uh, the American government was like uh, you know coca is cocaine you have you can't do that and they're like what like we've been doing this forever you know right. and like we never had problems you know until you guys came around and it's like um, you know and and I don't know much about poppy but you know it's probably the same thing in the middle east like they were probably using it for some well, a long reason time in Asia, like even ancient asia they found pipes with uh, opium in them yeah. i mean that, yeah. that's around since bc so who, who you know i think it's important to to go back to the culture where these plants are and, and really look at that and say like how are these people using it and where they reform okay, my, you know? let me reform my statement though i guess what i should say is if you now looking at what you just said when you extract things like even cannabis now like there's a reason why it's a medicine and in the 60s these yeah. people were smoking two percent three percent thc you smoke a joint now it's got 30 percent thc or you smoke yes vape something, absolutely 80 percent you know that's why it's a medicine i think certain chemicals at certain doses have terrible effects. Like if you take too much heroin, you take too much meth, it's different than taking too much of a psychedelic or too much of a, of pot or whatever, you know? Um, Like, uh, I have a problem with people just, I I wouldn't, I haven't done it and I won't, um, just for personal reasons, I guess, but I do have a problem with people 
taking DMT and smoking DMT, pure DMT, just because they're they're not getting the experience that you can get from ayahuasca. You know, they're like they're looking for the short forty five minute experience. And ayahuasca lasts. Are you talking about like five meo, like the toad? Uh, well, that's a that's a little different. That one's different because it's it comes out of the toad that way. You know, it's more it's like a natural excretion from the toad. Isn't that the most intense one out of of anything from the natural world? Yeah, I haven't done that one, but I've read books on it, and it's very intense um, from (laughs) what their experiences are. But the the experience that you get from ayahuasca is six hours of you know get your shit together kind of experience. It's not like uh, 45 minutes of like, okay. It's actually therapeutic is what you're saying. It's not 15 minutes of this bliss where you're on. You know, like I think there's a story where Terrence McKenna gave um, a a llama or somebody like some, some spiritual leader ahead of DMT or something. And this guy went into this thing and he came out and said, that's the furthest you can go back, go and come back. That was the furthest you can go to the other side and still come back and be a human being. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you get an experience from that, but you don't, I don't think you get the, the real medicine. I mean, the, the real medicine to me is like the purge, you know, that's, that's traumatic. Um, it gets rid of a lot of things. Yeah, that, that movie's traumatic. The fucking <laughs> purge. <laughs> yeah, that is too. Totally different, but in a way, I guess. <laughs> Um, but you know, going on in your gut, whatever's happening yeah, in the movie, yeah. that's what happens in your I mean, gut. In, in six hours, man, I have this, okay. So like we're talking, I know we're getting that then probably, but I had this, uh, uh, let's push it a little bit more. Let's yeah. see if we can push the boundary a little bit. <laughs> this is a good story. So if you guys are listening, stay tuned. Um, so on my first, uh, ayahuasca, ayahuasca experience, um, it was kind of related. I hadn't read a lot of, uh, Carl Jung stuff at this time still. And so I didn't know, understand the archetypes. Right. Um, and do you get, I mean, uh, for your listeners, archetypes are kind of like, um, aspects of your consciousness, I guess that, um, in traditional like psychology, um, where you can kind of, there's like themes, themes to stories and stuff like that. And they kind of generate the stories and stuff. You never actually see them in Jungian psychology and actually never like interact with these things they're kind of like running the show yeah, in the background they're the machine elves just yeah yeah, yeah. Together. yeah there you go they might be machine elves so um but what i found okay so i'm having this experience and there's this lady she's like a hispanic lady in my stomach and i call her the turning lady <laughs> and kind of reminds me of like i have fight fight club on here you know and uh it's one of my favorite um movies but in in the movie, you hear uh, one of the actors talking about he's reading this guy's books, his like notes, and he's like, "I am John's uh, uh, kidney or something or liver. If I stop working, then John dies or something." I totally must have quote up, but anyways, he's talking about like aspects of himself. So in this experience I'm having in with ayahuasca is that there is literally this Hispanic lady and she's got a giant cauldron and she turns it, and the more the quicker she turns it, the more I get sick. And she was talking to me and she's like, I was like, God, stop, stop turning. You know, I'm like, I've had enough. Stop turning. You're making me sick. And she's like, I got to turn because you got to throw this up. You got to get rid of it. And so I'm, or she, she didn't throw up, but you know, she's like Hispanic too. She like speaks in a Hispanic accent and everything. And she's like, but I got to get, you got to get this out. And I'm like, God. So every time I get sick, like I always forget about her, but when I get sick, she comes back and I'm like, God, 
turning lady you're back again like let's let's just not do this right now and she's like i gotta get it out you know and then uh and i think and in, in, in the future i started reading about carl Jung's archetypes and i was like man that shit is so real like there's really things inside of us like real life things there are living beings and they're like aspects of ourselves actually doing this stuff you know and for some reason, mine are Hispanic, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, well, maybe South American or something. Yeah, maybe that has something to do with your subconscious understanding of where it comes from, or the yeah, yeah, the attachment to the the background of it. Maybe it's something in the plant. That wouldn't that uh, be fucking yeah. weird if it was something in the plant that resonated through culture, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, so people always talk about the uh, ayahuasca lady, right? Like. Um, they call her a she, you know, and it's this lady. And I've only had two like true hallucinations um, in my life. And one of them is that lady. So I could close my eyes and I could see her like with my eyes closed and it would be her face. And it was just like um, plants interweaving into each other to make this like face. Right. And I opened my eyes and everywhere I looked, it was her face. Like everything turned into her face. And I was just like, that lady's always watching me, you know, like not in like a creepy, weird way either. It was like, she's kind of always there, you know? And I mean, Graham Hancock talks about that too, seeing like this woman and she shows him his life about how he was smoking too much pot at the time and making him paranoid and um, basically telling him like, you got to confront this kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. I think, uh, I mean, one thing that I'll leave, I'll probably leave your, your listeners on this is that the shamans say that when you take something, it doesn't go away. It's not like you take something and then, and then that's it. The, the communication is done. It's when you take something, you open up a way of communication to those things and they're always with you now. So wherever you go, you will have that with you. And I think that's comforting in some ways, you know, like, like, okay, you know, I got a friend with me where I could have the shittiest day in my life, man. And I can always have a friend that, um, it's there, but on the other side, it's like, all right, I got to get my shit together too, because my friend's there, you know? So right. it's two way street, you know? Well, what you said earlier real quick before we end, but you said something earlier about spirits, like you're in maybe ingesting spirits. I, I think that you look at the history of anything like alcohol, for instance, you know, the term spirits, people back then they used to think that by drinking it, you were ingesting these spirits and they would overcome your body. And if you think about it, when you get drunk, you become a completely different person pretty much. You know, um, some people say that's your true self. I actually disagree with that. I think it's this buffoon that you have within you at all time. Maybe it's your ego. And you're, letting, you're letting your ego out, you know, you're letting your ego out with, with no tether kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's true. So I think what you're, you, what you just said was, a true statement in the sense that these things do stick with you and it's not just a reminder, but it's also become part of your, your DNA. Cause it's an experience that you, you can use going forward, you know? So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of us are trying to understand, especially myself is trying to understand what's real and what's not real. You know, we're like, Oh, the spirits, they're not real. You know, we can't show them. We can't prove them. Oh, but it's like, yeah. um, well, you and I can't prove that we're real either. So, what I think is that all these things are real at the same time. They're all active at the same time. Um, they all exist. So like they're aspects of your mind, but they're also uh, real entities, you know, in a way they're, they're, they're some other thing. But they yeah, we exist. had a guest talk about that where how 
thoughts and concepts and your future prospects could be, you know, like a melding. Like I know it sounds stupid. Just say hypothetically there were these machine elves and they take a piece from over here and they connect it to a piece over here. And then that becomes a whole new future or doorway to something else, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I believe that fully, but it's definitely an interesting concept. But let's uh, let's wrap it up here. We had, I mean, this is solid, bro. I mean, yeah, this, is, this the information could just go flowing for days. It's fun, man. Thanks. We'll, we'll get you back on here soon for sure, and we'll we'll talk about a couple different other topics. But it's been it's been awesome, man. So Lee Adams, thank you for coming on. And cheers, uh, brother. Cheers. Everybody, everybody, go to tailleaders.com. That's tailleaders.com. It's an amazing website. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, catch you guys next time. All right. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks. Peace.